This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Welcome back in. It's another edition of 5th Avenue Faceoff. Odyssey's Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. I'm Chris Mack from 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh and The Fan Morning Show. He's Eric Tangrady, and we are here to lead you through... I've got the sniffles, not just because my kids are sick. Tango's kids are sick. Everybody's sick this time of year. Um, but uh, the sniffles may be more about after watching the the, the Red Wings game last night. I'm, I'm near tears. Eric, Eric Tangrady, former Pittsburgh Penguin, with me here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. And, man, I don't know where to start another one, but... Uh, let, well, let's let's start in the most difficult place, I guess, to start with this team, which is between the pipes. Um, here's the problem. No one played well for this team last night. We were texting each other about it last night, but Casey DeSmith picked the worst possible time to melt down in the third period and give up two softies, in my opinion, anyway, to David Perron for his second and third goals. Um, just, again... Not a great effort overall, but that's when you need your goaltender to perhaps stand tall for you, and he didn't in the clutch. Yeah, well, leading into this segment, you you said the word start uh, a couple times. Where do we start? Where do we start? And that has just been the problem with this team is the starts, the starts, yeah. the starts, the starts. I mean, how, you know, come out in the first period and give up three goals, you know, in 87, six, seven minutes uh, on the road. Like you talk about trying to dictate uh, an identity um, that game probably shouldn't even have been a game after the, that type of start. You play against good type hockey teams that could put you away in that situation, like the Columbus game, this game. It, you're right. Like to, to, to put it all on the goaltender, we discussed, like, you know, we didn't feel like this was totally on Casey DeSmith. But when you get back in the hockey game and you need a big save here, a big save there, um, to not have that, it almost you could you could feel it watching the game. Like, all right, this thing's now this thing is now over, uh, and that's just been a part that's been lacking a lot lately. Yeah, and, and it's tough because you're at a point in the season. I really thought going into last night's game, and this is what I get for assuming, especially with this team, uh, because you can't assume anything. Everything's a crapshoot from period to period, sometimes shift to shift. But I really thought this set up nicely where Smith could play against the Red Wings if he played well enough. You send him against Nashville again while Jari gets as close to 100% as possible. And then even let the Smith play against Boston on Saturday. Get an idea if he's ready for that test because it's looking more and more likely that's who you're going to play in the first round. And then let Jari sort of ease back into things against Philly on Sunday. I think that plan's kind of ripped up and out the window if Jari's healthy enough to go against Nashville. Certainly if he's healthy enough to go 
this weekend. I, I think I'd prefer to see him against Boston. Now, I don't even know what to make of the goaltending situation anymore, Eric. It's it's all over the map. And when one guy's, I don't want to say never healthy, that's not fair to Tristan Jari, but not healthy often enough. And the other guy it, it plays 40 quality minutes a night. It's, it's tough to figure out what your situation is going to be going into game one. Yeah, I think at this point, we probably we are defining the word insanity where we can never assume anything when we look at this schedule. How many times have we looked back at the schedule and assumed like this will be a great opportunity for this or this will be a great opportunity for that? Like this team has played such good hockey for, you know, four, four days. And then to go and, and have a performance like last night, I think is very discouraging, probably more so for them is because they're the players and they're the team. Um, but yeah, when you look at this week, like, okay, we got, you know, two games, Red Wings, Nashville, one on the road, one at home, pretty simple standard schedule this time of year, like lots of time rest, no excuses. And then to go put that effort forward, like I'm, I'm at a loss for words at this point, like you're absolutely right. Like this would be a great opportunity to build confidence and get moving forward and start thinking playoffs and then boom, that happens. And sitting here on Wednesday, like now what, now what's the plan? What is like? We, 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 we looked at what's the plan for management, what's the plan, for man, plan from coaching to players. Like, it just seems very scattered right now. Well, and you talk about opportunities. Yeah, it looked like an opportunity this week in the way the schedule set up to get you to bank some points, but also find out a little bit something about yourself on Saturday afternoon. Now it's really becoming, granted, I think you've got two games against playoff teams left on the schedule, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, two. Uh, Boston Saturday. And then the following Tuesday, you go to Newark to play the Devils. Oh, and, and Minnesota the following game. So three. Um, but other than that, I mean, you've got another one against the Red Wings, another two against the Flyers left, Blackhawks, Jackets. I mean, you should be stacking points, building yourself up for the playoff run. But you can't even look at that as an opportunity anymore. That's another word we got to kind of throw out the window is opportunity because this team can't figure it out. At all, it, it, it starts in net, and then it filters out to the other 200 feet. And and you brought it up, like they give up three goals to Detroit in five minutes and four seconds of the first period. They've blown multiple four goal leads this year, including one earlier this year to Detroit. There's uh, going down four nothing to Columbus. You mentioned that before coming storming back to win five nothing. Who do we start to put this on? The wild inconsistencies especially with a team that's supposed to have such firm leadership. And you look at Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Sullivan. I mean, a, a whole bunch of other veterans on the squad, Dumoulin and Carter. Granted, those are some of the guys who haven't played well this year, but there's enough veterans on this team that I, I, there shouldn't be any vacuum of leadership at this point, but it feels rudderless some nights. Yeah, and that's I think that is the scariest part of all of this. When you look at the way teams start, that a lot is on coaching. Uh, you talk about coaches all the time. They'll talk about, oh, we played a good game. We didn't. We deserved a win. We didn't like, oh, players not being prepared to play. How many times you heard a coach say, like, that's on me, right? And there's just been a lot of times where it feels like the players aren't prepared to play, and I don't know what that is. Like, if history repeats itself, like, they – lose to Nashville and then they play the best game of the season against Boston and win. And then we're sitting here again of like, what is the team's identity? Um, and that I think is the million dollar question that has perplexed a lot of Penguins fans throughout the season thus far. And, and to this point of like, 
we are so used to, yeah, there's ups and downs in the season. There's rivalry games. You win some, you lose some, but there's always been an identity in Pittsburgh. And I think that's something that's just lacking right now is what is that identity? That's the scary part is that if they were just playing bad all the time, it would be easy to just write them off and say, oh, well, they're old and they're not good anymore. And, you know, you see responses like that on Twitter from time to time. Oh, they just stink. But then they do. They play a quality game. You almost expect them to come back home, play well against Nashville, and then really put up a decent fight against Boston. Like you, But again, you can't allow yourself to expect anything with this team. So I, I sent you a clip earlier and I, I want people to hear it as well um it's rick bonus of the winnipeg jets now the winnipeg jets are in a very similar position standings wise to where the penguins are they're in eighth place in the western conference they are slipping and sliding and struggling they are just two points ahead of the flames three points ahead of the predators in that western conference playoff race but rick bonus was asked about their latest subpar effort and basically gave it to his team and said, it's it's not good enough. I'm going to go ahead and play it and we'll make sure the sound quality is better once we put it in uh, post uh, here on the podcast. The inconsistencies of some of our players uh, is hurting us. Um, you know, some of these guys think they're giving us everything in their tank, they're dreaming. Um, so... We got a lot of guys in there giving us everything they can, and we just need a few more guys to jump on board. It's not over. We're still in eighth spot, and uh, we're going to find out what we're made of over the next little while. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Again, that's Rick Bonus. Thanks to TSN for the audio. The inconsistencies, he says, that's what's killing them. A lot of guys are giving their all, but there's a few that aren't. It's it's funny to me, not funny, but it's interesting to me that you've got two veteran head coaches in the eighth spot in each conference sort of managing things very differently um, when their teams disappoint. You know, that's something I would have loved to have heard Mike Sullivan say after the loss in Detroit to say, hey, we know a lot of our guys are busting their ass every single night and doing everything they can, but we need absolutely everybody to be on board and pulling in the same direction. And some nights, not everybody is. Um, I've had some people argue with me that he'd lose the room if he did that. I think a, a, a guy as veteran as Sullivan doesn't have to risk that necessarily. I don't know. As, as a former player, do you what's your take on what bonus said last night in Winnipeg and what the way Mike Sullivan has handled it when his team has given subpar efforts this year? Yeah, it's a it's a very slippery slope. Um, you know, all the reports out of Winnipeg is, you know, they're going to dismantle their core and they're going to start moving pieces this summer and blow the whole thing up. Like uh, as a fan base, like that's kind of what you want to hear. There's some guidance, some direction of like, Mm -hmm. Okay, if you've promised us that this is a results-oriented business and the results aren't there, well, then changes need to be made. Um, that's an exciting thing to hear. At the same time, when you look at the business part of it, if 
you have a generational franchise type player and you're going in because I, I think he's referring to Mark Shifley because he's been benched and he's been not performing lately. If you're sitting in a room and you're paying Mark Shifley eight million a year and it comes down to Rick Bonus, the coach, or Mark Shifley, your franchise generational player, more than likely the coach is getting fired in that situation. So it's a very slippery slope for a coach to take that risk on and call out his team because more times than not, history has shown that coaches are the first one to go, not players. So right. I do respect the fact that he is trying to use that as a way to, I think, fire up his team and, and make aware maybe some of the egos in the room that need to be told, like, what you think is good enough is not. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, I feel like that is pretty detrimental for their locker room when those types of players are the ones wearing the A's and and, and are in that leadership group. So. Uh, the perspective there, like Sullivan, I have to think he's probably more of a closed door type of guy. Doesn't like to show his cards as, as most of his interviews kind of indicate and he's saying those things. But it is a very slippery slope when you start calling out your top guys. Well, it, it, that makes me question. Like, So it, to your point, I guess if Bonus knows that somebody's got to go after this year, right? You talk about the restructuring that's going to come in Winnipeg this year. Um, even if they make the playoffs, perhaps that happens, you know, maybe they get bounced in, in four games in the first round, uh, by, uh, either Minnesota or I would presume it'd be Vegas, maybe LA if they catch the the golden Knights, but let's assume they get bounced in the first round, five games, maybe bonus is gone. Uh, Shifley, maybe they start to rearrange the, the, the personnel chairs as well. And players start to go as well. Maybe bonus is looking at it as, Hey, I know I'm done after this year anyway, so I'm going to tell these guys what I really think. With a coach like Sullivan, then, are you telling me he can't risk being put in that position or that he doesn't expect to be in that position? Because a lot of fans would tell you, hey, if this team somehow misses the playoffs, yeah, it's on Hextall. Yeah, it's on whoever you want to put it on above Mike Sullivan. And yeah, Mike Sullivan may walk out the door and get a new job in five minutes somewhere else around the league, but Somebody's got to pay the price, and Sullivan should be a part of that if this core somehow misses the playoffs. Um, do you think Sullivan looks at it that way, or does he feel almost too secure in his role? Yeah, I think there's a lot of different aspects. Pride's probably one of them, too, right? Like, this is – it's in bonus situation, like you said, like, it's not me, it's the players. Um it, it, for for Sullivan, yeah, is he someone that probably takes pride in being the coach of the Pittsburgh Penguins? And this is all speculation. If he hasn't said anything, yeah, there's definitely a job security risk involved. Of once you call out your players in public, you can't take that back for for the remainder of your tenure. Um, right. I, I think you know we would have loved to hear it at one point or another. Like our goaltenders need to be better. This 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 mindset of you know, we're a team, we win as a team, we lose to, everybody knows that. Like, you know, yeah. you don't have to tell your players when you're in the locker room, like if, you're, if your coach doesn't need to say that in the media, he knows that you win and lose the team. As a player, you know you win and lose as a team. But sometimes uh, I, I think a message of our goaltending needs to be better. As a player, it's like, holy crap, I need to help my, my, my brother out. I'm going to play better sound defensively because coach just called him out. It's not going right. to be a negative in the sense of like, oh, I'm doing my part and he stinks. Like, no. He called our goalie out. Let's be a band of brothers and let's play better defensively and let's let's show the world that it's not just on him. I, I think that message would actually go pretty far. But 
the job security thing, I think, is always in the back of the mind uh, of people in this industry. Do you think he's safe if they miss the playoffs? I get the sense that he's not going anywhere. I don't I want to say he's at Mike Tomlin level yet where he gets to decide when he's done because I think every NHL head coach has a shelf life regardless of how many cups they've got. But um, this would be five straight years with either a first-round exit or if they miss the playoffs, um, five straight years without even getting to the second round, I guess I should say. Um, is there any chance that Mike Sullivan's out after this year? That's a tough one. I, I would say I think management would probably likely go before coaching goes. That's just my personal opinion. Now, yeah. that would be possibly if we're talking job security, is that the move management makes to spark up the sense of like, this will buy us some more time in the organization. This is a kind of our, our, our scapegoat or our way to show that we're trying to make improvements mm-hmm. in our, and we're not satisfied with the status quo. Like, but I, I see, I think management is more vulnerable as coaching. And then also there may be a dynamic this summer where they present to, to, to Sullivan, like, we're going to go through a rebuild. Do you want to be a part of something like that? You have had such success as a hockey coach. Like, do you on a personal level want to be someone who leads our, uh, our rebuild? Now, Babcock and him are two totally different coaches. I have a ton of respect for Mike Sullivan, the way he handles players, how professional he is. I think Babcock is not that at all. But you saw the second the Red Wings went through a rebuild, boom, see you later, give me my money, and I'm going to Toronto. I, I, I can see Sullivan as someone maybe taking pride in that new challenge, but that is something that I could also see leading to his exit. Well, how do you think, and I've wondered about this a lot over the last couple of weeks, but how do you think Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang would react if Sullivan were fired? Because I, you know, there's only two years left on Sidney Crosby's deal. He, I, I believe anyway, he really enjoys playing for Mike Sullivan because Mike Sullivan lets him exert his his influence over the team the way he wants to, which is via his style of play. Um, I, after going through what he went through with Mike Johnston, I don't think Sidney Crosby's necessarily excited about having to break in not just a new group of youngsters around him. That he may get sort of some rejuvenation out of, right? Like Tom Brady going off to Tampa Bay. And I think Sid could play until he's 44, 45 years old if he really wants to because of how well he takes care of himself, like Tom Brady. Um, but it, I don't know if he necessarily has an excitement level for breaking in a new coach again. Yeah, and and I think he's one of the few players in the league that actually has a seat at the table for that discussion. Um, there's not many players in this league right now that can probably have conversations with management, even ownership. Um, to discuss his opinion and actually having value. Um, I think you're absolutely right. I think, you know, Sid's leadership and his relationship with Sullivan has been a perfect marriage. Um, They've had success. They've had ups. They've had downs. I don't, you know, envision Sid probably wanting him to go anywhere. But again, rebuild definitely puts Crosby the player and Mike Sullivan the coach in a definitely in a vulnerable position where they probably never envisioned not being a team that's going to compete, but the reality is with the cap, draft capital, all those other things, I don't know what direction they can head that's going to satisfy all the pieces involved. Tango, before I let you run, two with Tango. Um, I, I just got to thinking about this because we were commiserating about our kids being sick. Um, and I got to thinking about like how hard it must be as a team to travel when one guy gets sick. Like one guy gets the flu and you're out on like a, 
a three game, seven day road trip out West or something. Like I remember the mumps, you remember the mumps outbreak here oh, in Pittsburgh, yeah. you know, around the league in 2014, I think it was. Um, I think you were in Montreal or Hamilton then. Um, but I just remember how crazy it was. Like people weren't allowed in the locker room. Media people were being told to stay home because they thought they had, I mean, and, and it was kind of like a weird precursor to COVID, but um, just how hard is it? To, to, to keep guys healthy and what lengths do guys go to when one guy gets sick on a team? Yeah, it's, it's brutal. I mean, we, we were discussing our kids basically being like these cesspools in a classroom. Yeah. <laughs> Little balls about, of disease. <laughs> yeah. You talk about your teammates being stuffed in a plane, then go onto a bus into a right. locker room, drinking the same bottles. Like obviously they have all the resources with nutrition and given IV fluids, but no, it's, it's miserable. I mean, you, you look at some of these trips you go on. Yes, you have your own hotel room. But when you're sick, regardless if you're five years old or 25 years old, you want your mom and you want to be in bed. <laughs> yeah. And now, you know, now you're being told you got to go hang out at the rink. I need ginger ale and chicken soup. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, it's a lonely, lonely place. And it's, it's nearly impossible uh, to not have something spread amongst the team. And, and I'm sure they've had multiple instances where it starts with one kid's one guy's kid sick gets him sick he goes to the rink the whole team gets sick i think covid has probably prepared uh teams a lot more on how they do things the nhl is a little bit easier because as i mentioned everyone gets their own hotel room but in the minors i'll never forget some of the days when i was in rockford illinois uh at a, at a courtyard marriott with the stomach bug just like literally like i said screaming for my mommy as a 30 year old kid like somebody <laughs> please help me and all i was told by the coach was you got to get on the bus at 10 30 and we're driving seven and a half hours back to Grand oh Rapids. no so, you know you always remember your highs but you certainly remember your lows and having a stomach bug on a coach bus for seven and a half hours is one of the lowest places i've ever been screaming again for, for, for my mom <laughs> stomach bug on a coach bus in in the middle of nowhere illinois or a busted up leg on a rickety old plane somewhere in upper mongolia you have lived some wild spots that i still i say this all the time i have no idea how you come back in one piece from it all man but you have I got the strongest uh, immune system in, in Pennsylvania. <laughs> that's for sure. Mentally and physically I, I've seen it all, but no, I, I got a lot of great stories. It's just, it's so funny what this game will do to you. And unfortunately I'm sitting here being able to laugh about it at this point. And what you'll do for the game. Right. Yeah, I mean, right. it, it, that, that's absolutely true. Well, Hey, nurse your crew back to health. I will do the same over here and uh, we'll, we'll get back together soon. Talk about where this team is headed is where, I mean, just about two weeks until the playoffs now, um, a, a little a little over two weeks. So I appreciate the insight today. A lot of tough conversations to have about this team internally for them, I'm sure. Glad we get to have them with you externally. Appreciate the time, Tango. Thanks, Chris. Love yep. you as always. Great stuff from Eric Tangrady, as always, seven and a half hours on a bus from Rockford to Grand Rapids with the stomach flu. His stomach flu is no joke. We didn't do an episode of Fifth Avenue Face-Off earlier in the week because my family was laid up. I was playing nurse. I was feverish and achy. Tango was taking care of his family as well. His kids are younger than mine, but just starting to get back on the horse here. Let's hope the Pens can get back on the horse with the Predators coming to town and then the Bruins. Got to say it like Bob Airy, the Bruins on Saturday. Uh, before they get the Flyers on Sunday. Interesting how they handle the goalie situation on that back-to-back this weekend. Interesting how Mike Sullivan continues to shuffle his lines. And I've got some hard questions 
for another former Penn Stater, Andrew Destin, who covers the Pens for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We'll have some fun with him next right here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff.